Welcome to episode 167 of Telepractice Today with Kim Dutro-Allen and Dr. Todd Houston. Hey, welcome back to another episode. Um, this week on my As Seen on Instagram, uh, there is someone from Crazy Speech World is the Instagram account, and she recently posted five ways to use chat GPT and speech therapy. Mm. And uh, some of them were ones that I hadn't thought of before, like maybe um, asking chat GPT to create word lists or like mm-hmm. sound loaded sentences or short paragraphs. Mm-hmm. You could probably say like, you know, something like create a short paragraph for someone to read that has a lot of S sounds in it or something like that. Um, She talked about creating homework assignments and lesson plans with it, uh, having some conversation practice with your students using it, um, having them put in some of their written language into it to ask for feedback. And kind of along with that, I've used it to when I'm scoring the self and it's taking Mm -hmm. me forever and my eyes have glazed (laughs) over. (laughs) and I get to that formulated sentences part and I'm just trying to figure out, you know, you've been staring at them so long. You're like, is that a grammatic sentence or not? Right. right. So I've typed my student sentences into chat GPT and just asked, is this a grammatically correct sentence or not? And it will tell you. And if it's not, it will say like, no, it should have been like this. So that made scoring that test a lot faster and easier for me. So those are some, I think, some different ways that I've heard um, to kind of utilize that newish technology in what Mm. we're doing. Well, I've I've used it probably more than I should have (laughs) the past couple of weeks (laughs) on different sort of projects. But I did, I was teaching phonetics this summer. And we just ended, but I did ask it to generate uh, lists of two and three syllable words with different oh, phonemes and sounds. Yeah. And it did. It did exactly what I wanted. And so yeah. I was impressed. And it actually provided the phonetic transcription with the word, which oh, I asked it to do. That's amazing. That's amazing. And it said, yeah, within a few seconds, I had lists that I could use in class. Yeah. So I've seen there was a post recently that a college professor made everyone turn in handwritten assignments because he felt like he initially when he had everyone turn them in, he felt like a large portion of them looked like they had used chat GPT <laughs> to finish the assignment. So is now making them handwrite their assignments. So I know you're in academia. So what mm-hmm. what do you feel about the like? what do we do about that? Where is the crossover of like, you're using it as a tool versus you're using to cheat. And <laughs> what's your opinion on what we do about that? My opinion is we can't stop. My yeah. opinion is you got to go with the flow. And I would say, uh, instead of trying to ban it or keep students from using it is to, for my fellow uh, university faculty, people that are out there to, Think of ways to use it creatively and give those kinds of assignments and then work with the, your students. Because what they're going to do in that kind of situation is they're going to do it in chat GPT and just copy and it down in their own handwriting. It. I know. And maybe he's I mean, like, come on. Maybe, maybe the thought process is uh, 
is at least then they're getting some of the information, like if they have to write it down with their own hands, even if it was ChatGPT that answered it. Yeah. But I think, too, you know, have them screenshot their answer that they got so you can give them feedback on the question that they asked and things like that instead of being like, oh, we're just going to pretend that this doesn't exist because I'm sure, I don't know, I'm not old enough to remember this. I would like to say, but I'm sure when the internet came out that it was the same yes, kind of thing. I remember that it's when like, it came out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the same kind of thing of like, oh, you, if you use that, you're cheating. If you look that up in this place, then you're cheating. And then it was like, why are we not utilizing this tool? So I think every time that there's a new technology that comes on that we kind of have to adjust like that. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of like, you know, like you're saying with it, the internet when it started and um but even like wiki uh, wikipedia mm-hmm. now i would never cite wikipedia as a source right you just right. don't do that if you're going to yeah. publish something that's you know more formal or a research journal or something like that but what i can do and what i encourage students to do is that okay here's a topic that we're going to talk about if you are not familiar with it, it's a good place to start. Mm-hmm. I said, and then look at the references that are there yep. in Wikipedia yep. and go from there. And then I would then support with additional readings or whatever the case may be. So it's again, it's about using the tools and helping them get access to the material and use it appropriately and use the tools appropriately. Um, we're not going to be able to put this genie back in the bottle it's yeah. it's you know as long as as long as congress doesn't i know that there were some thoughts of that they might pass some <laughs> some legislation to not use it or to increase privacy with it or something so as long <laughs> as we're still allowed to use it well i'm i'm all for it until the ai terminators start coming down the street yes. shooting at people exactly. then, then i'll say okay cut it off <laughs> We got to figure out this AI stuff. I robot. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) When I see Arnold show up, I'm then I'll duck out. (laughs) Oh, great! So, oh, one other quick thing. Uh, I did notice today. I got a little um, notice in my newsfeed about uh, Amazon Uh has now extended their telemedicine efforts into all 50 states oh great now, i haven't jumped on to really right. explore everything that they're doing but they are doing something where they're triaging people through and providing telemed- telemedicine services and probably getting them connected maybe to the local providers or maybe mm-hmm. not and I, I need to explore it more but they are going big into this area. So I think we'll see more of that going forward. Yeah. And I think sometimes when we do have those big, I don't know, commercial heavy hitters is when like some money gets thrown at things to move things forward in a certain field. So that's right. that's good to hear in, in that direction. Yeah. So we'll see how it all plays out. Yeah. 
Great. Well, we are branching out of just speech language pathology today with our guest and going into more telehealth. We have um, Dr. Katie Krause, and she is a friend of mine from college um, who has recently started doing some private practice and is utilizing telemedicine to um, serve clients. So we are going to hear from her today. And she's a nutritionist and dietitian. Hi, it's Todd Houston. I'm a co-host of Telepractice Today with my dear friend, Kim Allen. And I just wanted to take a moment and ask you a favor. You see, we at the 3C Digital Media Network, yes, and I am also the CEO of 3C, as we call it, we need you. We need you to... Maybe develop a webinar that we could distribute for you. Or maybe it's a course that you have in mind that you'd like to share your knowledge and skills. We would want to do that with you. We can help you distribute, produce, and distribute all of those things. We have blogs that you could do. Maybe you want to start in this whole wild world of online publishing and online media, and you want to start with a blog, we would be very happy to host that blog on our website. So if you have some ideas about blogging or a webinar or maybe a course that you'd like to offer, or maybe you have an idea for a totally new podcast, you may not know this, but we actually produce five podcasts And it's growing. And so, who knows? Maybe you have an idea for a podcast. We would love to talk to you. In fact, I would love to talk to you. I would love to showcase what you're doing, your knowledge and skills, no matter what it might look like. Course, webinar, podcast, blog, doesn't really matter. You can reach out to me at Todd at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com. That's T-O-D-D at the number three, three C, C as in cat, digitalmedianetwork.com. And I will be in touch. Thank you for considering this. And we'll talk soon. Okay, we want to mel- welcome Katie Kraus. I should say Dr. Katie Kraus, right, <laughs> to the podcast. Um, Katie, tell us some of your background. So um, my background is in nutrition and dietetics. So I've been a registered dietitian for 14 years, um, though um, my career has mostly been in academia, training the next generation of dietitians. And um, kind of how I got started with telehealth was with training my students and, um, you know, training them specifically with nutrition counseling. You know, I spend a lot of time with them as they're working with clients, you know, observing their sessions, giving them feedback, helping them hone their, um, their counseling and motivational interviewing skills. 
and really just seeing how much fun they're having working one-on-one with clients. You know, I realized that was kind of an aspect of nutrition and dietetics that I really enjoy. And so, um, so then I, I started a, a small private practice so that I could, you know, uh, be doing more of that on the day to day, which is really fun for me personally and professionally. And I think adds to my teaching as well, if, if I'm practicing that regularly. And so that's kind of how I got started with my private practice and um, with that, then, um, since this was going to be a, you know, a side job because my, my main career is in academia, I wanted to, to start small. So I wasn't planning on, you know, like renting office space to begin with. Um, and right. so telehealth was a, you know, a really uh, streamlined, low cost way to start out and also could broaden um, kind of the scope of who I could work with because it wouldn't have to be limited to those in my physical proximity who could, you know, easily drive to come meet with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because I'm from the town that where you were, you live in currently, <laughs> I know that can be like, even when I was trying to get, you know, maybe some private practice clients to see on the side that that could be a barrier, like, you know, just the people who are physically in your proximity and their, you know, maybe resources and things that they have and their interest in doing it. So I'm glad that that's something that you found that has been helpful to use utilize telehealth. Did you notice like any major differences when you made the switch from kind of that in-person to more of telehealth? Um, you know, I think it kind of depends on the person. I feel like some people feel a little bit nervous using telehealth. Maybe they're concerned about the technology or just feel nervous in general. I know some people might feel kind of nervous um, with telehealth being kind of a way for people to see into their space. You know, like maybe people are concerned about what's in my background or, you know, members of my household coming in and out or is my house clean enough or that kind of a thing. So for some people, I think you know, it's less comfortable. Um, But in other settings or other people, I feel like they're more comfortable. Like it's almost Mm -hmm. like a protective barrier that that they're not physically in the same space, especially if they have any kind of like uh, reservations about the topics that they're speaking about. I think for some people, they feel more comfortable um, in an online setting. Mm -hmm. I guess one thing I have noticed (laughs) that... uh, you know, isn't a concern when you're meeting with clients in person is um, I guess I hadn't really anticipated that people would join meetings while they're driving. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, goody. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, maybe maybe they need to, you know, they're not quite home yet or they're they're taking yeah. a child, you know, to school or to daycare. And so, you know, <laughs> They may have to pause while they're, you know, (laughs) taking your child back in and then maybe the end of the session, they're settled and in their space. But that was something I hadn't anticipated initially. (laughs) And that's happened more than once, too. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. (laughs) So do you have any like, do you try to set up like any expectations or how have you handled those situations? So it hasn't been super common. So I haven't like 
put anything formally into place about, yeah. I guess my view has kind of been, um, the clients are seeking out this, you know, nutrition assistance. And so if this, what, this is what fits into their day and if they're okay with it, then, then I try and just kind of roll with, you know, what works for them. Yeah. Yeah. I have had that happen before with a young client of mine and I, it did not go well. (laughs) And I like just kind of, you know, text the mom after and was like, this wasn't great. I understand things come up and, but you know, I'd rather have you cancel (laughs) than try and do this again the next time. But I feel like it's a little bit different when you're dealing like with a child in the backseat that you're trying to keep focused versus like the parent that you're like, okay, like I can tell you're listening or get, you know, you're in charge of, you know, getting somewhere safe while we talk and things like that. Yeah, in my case, it's been parents who seem to be pretty practiced in juggling, so it didn't really seem to phase them. <laughs> yeah, Katie, I'm, I'm maybe I'm taking a step back, but I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm sort of just going to approach this as who I am, which is I know very little about nutrition <laughs> and and dietetics. So for that consumer out there. When you hear nutrition, you think, oh, I, I need to eat the right foods uh, or I need to eat from the four food groups you know, like we used to hear about or, or dietetics. You know, how would you define that in sort of the work that you do uh, so that we're all on the same page, that kind of, kind of thing? So in terms of nutrition and health, there's a lot of approaches that can be taken, and that's really going to depend on the client. Um mm. My general approach really follows kind of the intuitive eating framework, which is, you know, very balanced and moderate. There's not good foods or bad foods and, you know, really um, paying attention to internal cues of hunger and fullness and enjoying food. So that's kind of the basic framework that I build upon. But of course, also there would be, um, you know, instances when you know, maybe it needs to be a little bit more structured. Like if someone has an allergy, I can't just say no good foods mm-hmm. and bad foods, right, but, right. Um, but kind of the principles I work are based upon intuitive eating. Yeah. That's so great. I think along with that, like, what would you say is kind of your general structure of um, a nutrition counseling session with somebody? So... I usually structure them, um, you know, starting out with, you know, kind of building rapport and finding out what their kind of priority is, where they would like to focus. Um, And then, you know, within that, then we really follow kind of the motivational interviewing framework where we kind of learn more about what are the reasons they would like to make a change and, you know, what motivates them, what barriers come into play. And then, um, then finding solutions, really trying to have that be a partnership so that it's not just me telling what to do, but, you know, incorporating, you know, what the client thinks would work best for them in their current um, situation. And then, um, you know, offering suggestions as needed that they could take or not based on what's going to work for them. Um, And then um, depending on the client and their readiness to change or how far we've gone in a session, um, we like to work towards having some goals that the client can work on and that we can follow up on in subsequent sessions. 
And so when you think about children, how would you approach sort of the child who's a picky eater, so to speak? And what what type of counseling process would you go through with that? Yeah, that is kind of where our fields tend to, you know, <laughs> converge and overlap a lot. Mm-hmm. So I would have to say that um, that child feeding isn't isn't my personal area of expertise, and so I I don't typically work with clients who are children. Like I would say, kind of my dipping into that population would be. Um, from time to time, I work with adolescent clients, okay. primarily from a sports nutrition approach. That, um, so I haven't had there. much experience with. <laughs> let's do that um, then. Okay. So, in working with uh, kind of an adolescent population, um, often it's a parent who you know sets up the session, and you know it could be something like I have this. Yeah, this teenager or this preteen who's getting into sports. And sometimes it's just really broad of, you know, we don't know what they should be eating. Or sometimes it's, I've told them what they should be eating, but they won't listen to me because I'm the parent. So would you be willing to meet with them and share that info? Um, um, an area of specialty for me is um, uh, the female athlete triad um, mm-hmm. or relative energy deficiency in sport, essentially when an athlete isn't consuming enough calories and it throws off menstruation and bone health and many other things. And so um, so that is an area that I work with adults and and teens to make sure that they're eating enough to support their all of their physical activity and for the adolescent population, you know, their growth as well. And I can imagine with, with some of those teenagers, it's sort of the, the social uh, aspect of it too, where they want to diet. They want not as well as you know, if they're athletes, but you know, trying to diet and meet certain cultural standards or social standards. Um, does that come into play? And then that, does that lead to other, diagnoses. So definitely that comes into play. Um, it does, it does break your heart when you have, you know, preteens and teens who are worried about their weight and that's influencing what they're eating. And, um, I feel like one of my favorite parts of my job with teens and with adults, because I feel like diet culture, uh, impacts, everyone, um, is it's almost like, I feel like I'm giving people permission to eat. Like I love when they go away from a meeting feeling like, oh, I don't have to restrict that food and it's okay. And, you know, kind of helping people. It's unfortunate that people need to get permission to, Mm -hmm. to eat, to fuel their bodies, but working against those cultural norms, as you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. And I've worked with, you know, high school populations a lot the past couple of years and it's it's interesting how it just like it seeps into every one of their conversations and um I'll have like students you know I'll just be like telling a story about someone going to an ice cream store or something like that and they're like oh if they eat that they're gonna get fat and like I just you know I just start making the blanket statements of oh we don't talk about other people's bodies you know, like that's not something we need to worry about. Or like students that are, I had one that was on the soccer team and she's like, oh, this fat girl came and hit me. And I was like, I don't know how to deal with that. But I also was like, well, 
you know, like, because there's, it's this weird thing where you're like, you don't want him to make that fat word to have power. That's kind of the new thing is like, mm-hmm. we're making it a neutral word. But I'm also like, would that person want you to say that about them? Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of overlap of like the social things that happen. Do you have any um, tips that you've seen when working with people that are kind of like coming out of that diet culture? Just if it pops up with the populations we're working on, what we can say as professionals out of the nutrition world, but just in like a, hey, let's be nice to everyone social (laughs) kind of world. Um, Absolutely. I guess um, some things that that pop into mind... um, could be things like typically our appearances, the least interesting part about us. And, you know, um, uh, one of my colleagues, um, Brooke Parker, who's a, a dietitian for students at Utah State, she has a great curriculum um, called Everybody Rocks that really kind of helps teens think through all of these aspects. And a favorite exercise I have from her curriculum, uh, we call it the basket exercise. And it's kind of a play off of um, don't put all your eggs in one basket. And, you know, if you're Mm -hmm. basing all of your worth on, you know, your appearance, what happens if you drop that basket? Does that mean you don't have any worth? And so um, in that curriculum, she, you know, has the participants um, uh, go through an exercise of naming their baskets or helping other people name their baskets. So that could be, you know, like hobbies or skills or strengths or relationships. So, you know, maybe, maybe I have a soccer basket and that's something that's part of me. Maybe I have a school basket or maybe I have a mom basket or a sister basket and, and helping them think of themselves more holistically rather than focusing on their um, their appearance. And a really fun aspect of that, it's typically taught in a group setting, is um, we, we name our baskets and then um, we prompt everyone to think about some aspect of them that's kind of like the glitter. That's just something really unique about them. And we invite, you know, everyone to share. And usually it's really random hobbies or interests that you may not think about. But it's so fun in that group setting for all the other participants to get excited about what's shared. And so then and people are often like hesitant to share what, you know, is their glitter. Yeah. And but everyone gets excited about each other's. And sometimes that kind of just uh, opens that conversation about there's many aspects of us and what are more interesting things to focus on. I like that. I That's like a great that. activity. Yeah. That's really cool. So the other thing I wanted to ask you for people that are in doing telepractice and doing it full time and kind of that like work from home um, situation, do you have any like nutrition tips for that? Cause I know sometimes I like, you know, just, Oh, you know, this student needs me. So I'm going to work through lunch or like I forgot breakfast. Cause my, I had a client at eight. So kind of that work life balance, um, for, especially for someone working from home where it can kind of have that, like seepage into every other part of your life. <laughs> the fact that you are at home and working, what tips do you have for that? Absolutely. That can be challenging when when there's crossover with life and right. work and, and trying to balance all of that. Um, 
a major nutrition tip I would give to anyone, which um, also fits well if people are working from home, um, is just figuring out what uh, eating frequency works best for you. For some people, they need to eat every two hours to be on top of their game physically and mentally and stay alert. Others, you know, four hours, six hours, you know, it really varies. But um, I would encourage people to figure out what's kind of their sweet spot. And then when possible, schedule so that you can eat at those intervals. But as you said, sometimes, you know, that doesn't work out. And if that's the case, um, maybe see if you can slip in some snacks in between in between meetings. So at least you're getting something and not going really long intervals where, um, you know, perhaps your uh, your mental and emotional state, you know, for some people can be affected. And yeah. so um, eating regularly, however you can fit that in um, to provide the best care for your patients and clients. Mm-hmm. And what would be along with that, what would be some signs that like what you're doing already isn't working? Like, cause I know I, for, for me as example, like I sometimes will not feel hungry all day if I'm busy. And then all of a sudden I have a really bad headache and I'm like, <laughs> right. I probably should have noticed some signs before this point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, many of the signs are hard to notice if we're very busy or very focused on things. Um, but you could, for some people, their you know stomach might start to feel hungry. You might hear growling noises. Some people, that's not the case. Um, but other things to watch for headaches um, could come into play. Um, difficulty focusing or paying attention. Um, uh, irritability is often, you know, little hangriness coming into play for others. (laughs) And I think also paying attention to when you are done and when you do get to eat, um, what is that eating experience like, you know, for some people, if it's been the whole day and maybe they haven't felt hungry, but when they do get to eat, maybe they are ravenous and they are going to eat anything. They don't care what it is. They don't have to like that food. They just need to get something in that could also, you know, be a clue that maybe even though they weren't feeling hungry, their body needed fuel earlier than that. Well, I have this issue right now. I've had some oral surgery recently and every, every day about four o'clock, I try to go um, make a smoothie and I love strawberry smoothie smoothies. Um, but I have this problem uh, about four o'clock every day when I try to make my smoothie, it turns into a strawberry margarita. And I can't figure <laughs> out how that happens. It starts off as a smoothie and it ends and up then a margarita. All of a, sudden... all of a sudden, it's a margarita. And, and then and I'm it's like, five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> like, I guess, I guess I have to drink it. You know, it's the universe saying, this is what you need right now during your day. <laughs> that's some that's some intuitive eating, right? That's intuitive. <laughs> yes. It's something telling me there. Something in inside me saying that's this is what's needed. <laughs> so, Dr. Krauss, I don't know if if um Kim has told you the real reason why we invited I'm sorry you. Sorry I didn't warn you about this part. <laughs> Uh oh! I sometimes warn people, but Todd never warns people, so we'll make it make it fair. 
this is called our moment of Zen, where we have 10 questions that we ask our guests. And they can, and each, well, we have three lists, A, B, and C, and each list has 10 questions. And we just ask our guests to pick which list they would like, A, B, or C. I would like C. Ooh, one of those C people. Good okay. one. We don't get that one very often. We don't get that so That's a good often. one. So this is just to get to know you a little bit better. Okay. And you can answer in any way you feel, you know, is, is comfortable to you. Okay. Um, where did you grow up and how did that affect who you became? Um, I grew up, um, here in Utah and I would say one aspect of that is, um, I grew up near a lot of family, lots of my grandparents were close, cousins were close. And I feel like that impacted who I am to be able to have those, you know, interactions growing up. I'm still very close with, you know, much of my extended family because we had that close proximity, um, when I was growing up. That's awesome. Number two, if money wasn't a factor, what would you do with your time? Hmm. Um, probably, probably travel. Uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. go to all oh, the continents. Uh, you know, yeah. money's no object. That will help a lot. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's definitely one thing I would do. Um, next question is, what was the last thing you searched for on Google? Let's see. Um, a friend of mine, um, is getting married and asked me to be in the wedding party. And so, um, I recently bought a dress for, <laughs> for that event. <laughs> Very good. What do people misunderstand most about you? I would say um, something that's probably common for most dietitians is that they um, misunderstand that they they think that they have to eat perfectly in my presence. <laughs> like if I run into someone at the grocery store, they're usually trying to hide, you know, don't look at what's in my cart. But that is a uh, misunderstanding. Uh, all foods fit. That's what I say. <laughs> yep. So when they're pushing their cart and it's full of Twinkies, you know that it's not good. <laughs> I have to share a favorite Katie memory while uh -oh. while we brought this uh -oh. up. Here it is. Here it is. Speaking of all foods fitting, my one of my favorite Katie memories is at um her apartment one year they had a drive-in movie <laughs> and we were all in college but we made little box um cars and then they had in the base there had a basement apartment and they turned one of the windows into like a drive-through window and we're handing everyone I think it was like mini corn dogs and tater tots <laughs> out the window hey. to go to the drive-in movie <laughs> so all foods fit that's one of my favorite Katie <laughs> that's awesome that was so fun when yeah. we had a you know you go around the apartment complex and then on the wall of the next one would be the projected movie and you'd sit in your cardboard yeah. car and eat your corn dogs and watch the movie <laughs> what was the movie I can't even remember. I can't remember either. <laughs> <laughs> 
that must the have been cardboard cards and the food was the highlight. <laughs> that's that was the highlight, not the movie. Pretty much. That's yep. that's good. Um, next question is: What is a common myth about your job or industry? Kind of similar question. Yeah, I would say that that's that's similar. Yeah, I would defer to the previous question for that okay. response. Next question is, what challenge in life shaped you the most? Getting mm. deep now. Um, I don't know if there was anything too dramatic, but um, I'm a runner, and I feel like that's been pretty integral for me, kind of just a, a space for setting goals and persevering through mm-hmm you know, difficulties within, um, within running, I would say. That's um, awesome. Yeah. When are you most productive? I am most productive first thing in the morning. Me too. I'm definitely a, a morning person. And so if there's ever a day when I can like, you know, go into my office, you know, before everyone gets there, that's when, that's when the magic happens. Exactly. I know what you mean. Um. Good question for a dietitian and nutritionist. What's your favorite comfort food? Um, I am definitely a fan of of a good macaroni and cheese. Very good. That's awesome. Um, Do you have a life motto? And if so, what is it? A motto or saying or quote or something you like? Hmm. Um, I guess the first one comes to mind, I guess, is a little more aspirational, uh, you know, like live in the moment, like that's what I aspire to do. But sure. uh, in practice, sometimes I, uh, you know, I'm living in more in the, you know, worrying about the future or recounting the past. But my aspirational motto is live in the moment. That's great. I like that. Uh, last question. If heaven exists, what do you want to hear God say when you enter the pearly gates? Good to see you. <laughs> <laughs> nice job. Welcome. Good to see you. I like that. I like that. Well, Katie, I think he'll be glad to see you, but hopefully that won't come for a long, long, long time. <laughs> uh, and uh, and so how can people reach out to you if they want to interact or ask you questions or just say hello? Or make an appointment. Or make an appointment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say, um, yeah, going to to my website, katiekrausnutrition.com, or emailing me at katiekrausnutrition at gmail.com. Those would be good ways to get in touch with me. That's awesome. Well, thank you for joining us, and, and good luck with everything you're doing. You bet. Thanks so much. That was Dr. Katie Krause. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast It's always great to hear about nutrition and dietetics and how we can use or how some people are using telepractice to deliver those services. So I really appreciate Dr. Krause joining us on this episode. And thank you for listening. Please, if you don't mind, leave us that five-star review. That helps us to move up in the categories and to attract new listeners. And until next week, be safe 
and be kind. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network.